0: As we were saying, um, one of the things that struck me is the nature of Christ and His church. You might kind of wonder how that came about in my thinking, but uh, what we're going to be looking at today is the state of the church address, and I've done this in in the past on several occasions. Um, It's not been something I've done every year, but thinking about the state of the church, um, especially in light of who Christ is, um, it, it struck me as we're singing um, about the holiness of, of God and how He's matchless that that Christ is totally sufficient. And when we think about the church, um, because of Christ's sufficiency, what we have is all we need, right? He's never going to leave us lacking or wanting. Um, Guys, I would especially say this to, to men um, that are married, uh, you, you understand the responsibility and privilege and drive for us to be providers for our, our families. I think that's a, a biblical concept that comes from uh, the, the, especially that fa- uh, passage in Ephesians 5 that talks about Christ providing for the church. And, and as men, I think especially when we are walking in the way of the Lord, we ought to be, um, my my computer's catching up for some reason, sorry, um, I need to turn my Wi-Fi off, that doesn't usually happen. Is Christian sending us messages right now, Katie? Your phone is off? It's just, there's just no telling. Um, after everything yesterday with Nashville and AT&T, um, there's no telling what's happening. Um, <clears throat> so, it was two days ago. Um, sorry. Anyhow, what we have is a sufficiency in who we are in Christ. And, and and because of His deep love for us, the truth is the state of the church is what? It's excellent, right? Uh, because He's going to provide for us. He's going to call us into His excellencies. And and I want to make sure that um, when we look at the state of the church today, that what we understand is what Christ is calling us to is something other than what this world entails. And and that's an important uh, thought at the beginning of this, because if we rest just in where we are circumstantially, I think we can get really discouraged. And And I think that Um, and that's not just talking about the Grove Church, I'm talking about the church historically, because where we're going to look today in Scripture is going to be actually in the book of Revelation. So, I want to invite you to turn there, because I think that the state of the church is not something that that I've just come up with on my own or other pastors have done um, on their own. I think it's modeled for us in in what Paul, I'm sorry, what the, the writer John deals with in the book of Revelation because he gets this concept and this understanding that the churches there that that represent many churches, I believe, have a state about them that is, one, concerning because they're in the midst of things circumstantially where they are, but the truth is there's a high calling for them and what Christ has provided for them, and they ought to respond in obedience to those, those truths of who Christ is. So I want us to, to look at this, uh, this, this pa- these passages in Revelation, and I want to talk about these churches for just a moment. Now, before I do that, I want to make this, this statement, and I hope this is very, very clear. I'm not relating the Grove Church specifically to any of these churches. Okay? I'm not equating. I'm not going to be drawing any conclusions about this. This is simply a, a chance for us to look and see how these churches were seen by the Lord as they're revealed to, to uh, John and how we can learn and glean from what is taught in these passages. Okay? So let's, let's begin by reading Revelation 2, 1 through 7. And I'm going to talk about these churches in order, and we'll read these together. And I'm going to give you a, a good little descriptor of each one of them. It's basically a one-word descriptor, and hopefully the, there's a little bit of alliteration going on that'll help you uh, identify these, and they're biblical terms mostly, okay? So let's look at verses 2, 1 through 7, as we look at um, the church in Ephesus. It says, to the angel of the church, of Ephesus, our church in Ephesus writes, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance. Now, now notice, these are actually commendations. These are encouraging things about this church. They're toiling, they're patient endurance. How you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. So, so that this this church in Ephesus They're marked by some very important things. One is they are toilers, they endure, and they're also people who understand the truth and they've not fallen prey to those who have taught false doctrine. He says in verse 3, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. What what a great commendation, okay? They're enduring church. But, in verse 4, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you have had at first, They were a fallen church. Did you, did you catch that in verse 5? Uh, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. They are fallen because they had abandoned their first love. Though they were doing all these good things, there was still an aspect to the church that they had removed themselves because they had lost their love for the Lord. And I think that's an important thing for us to consider this morning as we evaluate where we are, both individually and corporately, because I think these tendencies can be certainly corporate, but they can also happen individually. And and we can be people that uh, we we emphasize certain aspects, but we will fall in ways. And especially, we cannot fall from our first love of serving Christ well and having an intimate relationship with Him, okay? Let's look at the second church, the church at Smyrna, verses 8 through 11. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty. So so interesting here, commendation. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers will not, uh, I'm sorry, the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Interestingly, okay, this church uh, at Smyrna has been called to put aside their fear. So that we have the word fallen, and now the church at Smyrna is, is called to put aside their fear. There were circumstances that were about to come upon them that were going to test them and, and try their faith, and they did not need to respond in fear. Boy, I, and again, I'm not trying to, to relate this to, to us in, in equation, but can you see how fear has, has been a constant battle in the year 2020? That, that the church is potentially facing trials of all sorts, Uh, that we as individual believers have faced trials of all sorts. And if we respond in fear, we're we're not going to be pleasing to the Lord because the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of sound mind, right? And and we're to pursue Him in sound mind and love. So I think it's it's not, again, I don't want to equate, but I want to point out the the positive here uh, of this church and then the, the concern that they have, okay? Let's look at the church at Pergamum now in verses 12 through 17. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name and and you did not deny my faith. Even in the the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. You you hear the struggle that this church is going through? There's um, martyrdom happening. They've been um, um, challenged and... and, uh, uh, very critical, are criticized by those who did, do, want them to deny their faith, but they're not doing that. And, and they're standing firm, okay? And I'm going to talk just a little bit more about that in a second. But verse 14, he says, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So, interestingly, I think what was happening in the the city of Pergamum at this time was a, a, a season of political unrest. And there, there's, um, there was a, a position of power of one who was imposing these kind of restrictions on the, the Christians there, wanting them to deny their faith. But what they did is they demonstrated a fortitude in the midst of social and political pressures to remain strong in the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. Now, what, what happened, though, in the midst of that, they also began to adopt some of the practices of the culture. Um, And and I think that's an interesting dichotomy, if you will, because you have on one hand them them enduring and standing firm, but on the other hand, it's like privately and personally, they're, they're adopting these bad immoral habits. And practices, whether it be what what did you see? What they listed, Um, what what John listed here, that they are uh, eating food sacrificed to idols, and they're practicing sexual immorality. That they're falling in the sin of Balaam. Now, if you remember anything about that, what he did is he prophesied for uh, was a prophet for hire. Um, If you go back and look at the history of Balaam, he was uh, called to prophesy against the Israelites. And get paid for doing that. It was it was a terrible error, and so you have these folks that were personally adopting these things. Now, um, the, the this is I think an an aspect that warns the church today the nature of falling into moral decline privately, especially that that we can become so prideful in one sense that we stand firm, but then in the next moment we're acquiescing to the, the things of the culture. And we, we are required as a church to stand out and be different than the culture around us. Daniel Taylor's not in here. Oh, I was going to talk to Daniel about it. Danny and I were talking about um, illegal aliens this morning um, in the foyer. And his his son Daniel, uh, I kind of watched him go, what is, what is aliens have to do with all this? I don't understand. And so, I began to s- explain to him the uh, what the idea of uh, illegal aliens are, not in the sense of aliens from outer space, but people coming in from other countries that are not doing it uh, legally. And he's like, oh, now I understand. Um, he starts talking about the wall that Trump built and all this stuff. I was like, he's got it. Um, and I, I shared this further with him, though. I said, I'm, I'm about to read or started reading a book called Resident Aliens. And the truth is, we as Christians are called to be in this culture, in one sense, but we are different because we are citizens of heaven. We are members with the saints, uh, members in, in the household of God and, and called to be saints, uh, that, that we are holy and set apart. So, so in a sense, we are aliens in this world right now, even though we reside here. And, and that is beca- uh, emphasizes to me that we are called to be different from the culture. And we should be ambassadors for Christ in that sense. But if we are not careful, we will acquiesce to all the things of the culture, and we will lose our ability to be salt and light in the world. Now, let's look at the church at Thyatira, verses 18 through 29. An angel of the church, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first that is a great commendation isn 't it they 're showing and displaying love and faith and service and endurance, and they are exceeding well doing well in those, but in verse twenty, but I have this against you that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching. And seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idol. I give her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am He who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching... "'who have not learned that some call the deep things of Satan. "'To you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. "'Only hold fast what you have until I come. "'The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, "'to him I will give authority over the nations. "'And he will rule them with a rod of iron, "'as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, "'even as myself, I myself have received authority from my Father, "'and I will give him the morning star. "'He who has an ear, let him hear "'what the Spirit says to the churches.'" Now, now as I was reading that, let me go back. I want to remind you of this. The church at um, Pergamum, I I meant to to give you the, the word that begins with F on that, okay? It's the word faltering. They were a faltering church because they had those things that they were doing well, but they were succumbing to the culture and the crisis that the culture was bringing, okay? So they were a faltering church. The church at Thyatira is a church that is becoming false, Okay. The the distinction is that some of them had been warned, but they had not heeded the warning. Therefore, they were moving into a false church situation where they were just uh, embracing everything and not responding in any kind of faith to the the, uh, teaching that that had been given to them. Let's look at the church in Sardis now. In in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, you have have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Here in Sardis, if you notice, this church in Sardis, there was nothing that they were commended for. Though there were a few that had had remained pure, they were so distinct that they were being only acknowledged as individuals, not as a a total church. So this church is actually a church that is fruitless. There there was no fruit being born in this church. It was only a warning to them for them to repent. The sixth church in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, is the church in Philadelphia. Let's read this together. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie, behold... I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, interestingly, this church has, is not really commended for a lot other than just kind of hanging on. But they're also not condemned for anything that they've done wrong. So when we look at the church of Philadelphia, what the Lord is promising through the writer John is that they would be strengthened because they are a feeble church. They are a weak and feeble church that needs the work of the Lord to come and revive them, and in the last church, the church at Laodicea, Revelation three fourteen through twenty two. So let's read this together. And to the angel of the church of in Laodicea, write the words of of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works; you are neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth, for you say I am rich. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now let's consider the church at Laodicea for just a minute. I would uh, think that this church is, is could be easily described as a foolish church. And the reason for that description is there's not much positive said about them. They, they're actually described as this church that because of their foolishness, they don't understand that their lukewarmness is actually a, a, an abomination to the Lord. Now, let me uh, uh, try to explain what, what the significance of this lukewarmness is. The church at um, Laodicea was actually originally a, a very wealthy, uh, um, thriving city, and in the, the midst of its growth, one of the things that it had outdone or outgrown was its ability to provide from its own water source, okay? So they, their springs had become so um, overexerted that they couldn't keep the fresh water in the city anymore. So naturally what they decided to do was to build these aqueducts that would pr- transport water in from other cities, okay, uh, or outline wells or however it was done. But by the time that the water arrived in those aqueducts, it had grown lukewarm. And so it was not a city that was based on a healthy uh, water system. The water, in, when it became lukewarm, actually started to grow like fungus and other things in it. And so you would taste it, and you would taste the, the, the impurities in the water. And naturally, when you do that, what do you do? You spit it out because it's not a healthy place or it's not a healthy source for them. And so Laodicea had moved into that. They they had thought too highly of themselves, and they were actually foolish in their self-awareness and their dependency upon the Lord. So the the interesting thing is they didn't realize that they were wretched, that they were pitiable and poor. Do you remember those descriptions that I read that? The Lord was trying to confront them to say, don't rest in your physical wealth and well-being, rest in my provision. And instead, they had become foolish in their self-awareness and and prideful in that. Now, I I think there's one last point that I want to share this morning. And I I, I want to say this as I I kind of conclude these remarks about the churches. This was not designed to be an exegetical, uh, you know, approach to this. This was designed very much to show and display that the Lord has always done a state of the church, an evaluation, and there's key things for us to consider without getting into all the details of this text. But here in verses 19 through 22, I think is, I've already read it, but I want to go back and reread it, is an important message for all of us today to consider. In verse 19, he says, "'Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline.'" so be zealous and repent. I think this begins a key point, not just for the church at Laodicea, but it's a a, uh, statement that reflects back to all the churches that he's addressed so far, and each member of those churches, that we must uh, love discipline, and when discipline comes, we need to be zealous and repent, that we are not satisfied with our shortcomings, but instead we pursue the Lord relentlessly. And then he makes this great statement Though it's, I think it's individual uh, or directed to individuals, I think it's also the churches, okay? And this, this is often quoted but in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, so interestingly, I think the call is for us to recognize that when the Lord is calling us to walk with him and whether we are walking in strength or there's things that we need to repent of, that we need to recognize that he is the one standing at the door knocking and he is desiring that we sup with him. And he doesn't want anything to stand uh, as a barrier to that relationship. And so when he uh, speaks to us, he is calling us to something better. And as I started this message, one of the things I I want to emphasize, and I hope I did as well, is that the Lord is perfect in His provisions for His church. He provides with all of His power, His omniscience, His care. And and Greg, you read this uh, out of Ephesians 3 this morning. We cannot measure the love of God, height nor depth, nor any width barrier, there's nothing that separates for us from His love. And so what we ought to realize and recognize as we come to a state of the church, it is about how we are doing in our relationship with the Lord. What is He calling us to do with our lives? So, so as I was preparing this message, and I'm not going to ask you to do this now, but I want to give you a, a tip for you to be praying about in the next section of the message. I, I got to the end of the message, and the Lord really... In, in, um, put on my heart and mind, this idea of, of writing a commitment card. That commitment card, we gave to everybody this morning, and here's what I want to ask you to do, and I'm going to give you a couple instructions about it right now. One is, you're not turning this card in, okay? I don't, I don't want to read your card, okay? I, I don't necessarily even want you to put your name on the card, okay? It's for your personal use and benefit, and the, the idea of it is this. As you continue to listen to what the Lord is doing in our church and what He's calling you to do, how will you commit to to obeying Him in 2021? It's just your personal journey. And and I'm going to share some more thoughts that I think will be directed into the Grove Church this morning, and I I trust that the Lord will speak to you. But He may have already spoken to you this morning just listening to some of the... the, um, matters regarding the churches in the book of Revelation, that already there's the, the Holy Spirit's begun to, to prick your heart and your mind about this is an area that I need to be careful in. This is an area that I need to commit to obey and, and be, maybe it's repenting in as I begin the year 2021 so that the Lord can do all that He has promised to do in His Word in and through me and with me so that that I would enjoy that relationship with Him as I sup with Him because I've walked in true repentance and true obedience to the Lord. Now, I know we can't do it in perfection. I'm not calling for that, okay? And I think that's part of what the state of these churches were is they weren't in true perfection. The Lord is going to refine and perfect eventually, but not in this time frame. We are still sojourners. So, don't let that uh, prohibit or inhibit you from thinking and, and recognizing what the Holy Spirit may be calling you to do, okay? But the, the idea is that by the end of today, I'm not even asking you to do this at the end of the service, but by the end of today, okay, that, that you would take the time to seek the Lord and what He would have you to commit for, to do in relationship with Him in the year 2021, okay? Now, Miss Maya, are you,